Hello, everybody. My name is Tim Atterbury, and welcome to my Redefined in Christ podcast. It's a course-correcting podcast exploring what it means to identify with and live in Christ. So, what do you say? Let's get to it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my podcast on depolarization. This is the third part. Last week we talked about love and hate, and today we're going to talk about light and darkness. Now, I have to admit, these unedited podcasts are difficult for me because when I listen back at them, I realize how bad the allergies have affected my breathing. And I'm in Kentucky, and it's just that time of year, and the rain's coming down, and the weather's changing every day. And wow. I just say, I don't like listening to my voice, but I'm excited about the things that God showed me, and I will continue to teach them. If you will have the patience and continue to listen, maybe it'll get better. So, when we started the session on depolarization, I did an intro, and I said in that, that the second thing about light and darkness, I said that we must consider that light, which is defined as absolute truth of God as testified by Christ and the Holy Spirit does not have an equally opposing force. Light and darkness is how we see things. And although light and darkness are both talked about by Jesus and the other disciples, you will quickly find that darkness is not the opposite of light. Light is the truth of God. It's a revelation. Darkness is deception. But what is deception? Well, It's a lie. It's false. So you tell me, how can deception exist other than in its form of a lie? A lie is something that is untrue. So, we're really talking about the absence of truth. Not the opposite of truth. A lie is if a lie is what one lives then they are living in darkness and if a a person is in darkness they're living a lie so today we're going to talk about this idea of light and darkness and how they're not really opposing forces they're not definitely not equally opposing forces think about it for a minute I've been talking about things that are not really opposites that we think are opposites. Even science will tell you things are not opposite, but we, for some reason in our minds, kind of look at them. And These don't always cause polarizing thoughts, but when it comes to things that connect with the Spirit, then it is polarizing. Because when we look at something like light and darkness, the first thing we do is look at it through our natural eyes. And if we think they're opposites, then we look at the spiritual thing that way. But it's not. Look. Cold is the absence of heat. Silence is the absence of sound. Darkness is an absence of light. They're not really opposites, although you think of them in that way. So let's just keep in mind for the spiritual purposes that we're talking about light and darkness in a spiritual matter. So, welcome to my podcast, and if I didn't already say that, because I got into something right up front, and I can't even remember, but today we're continuing the subject of depolarization. It's the third part 
light and darkness. I mentioned in one part of our study on depolarization that in the natural we view many things as equally opposite. And it's not true in the spiritual realm. It's the problem is that we fail to understand the concepts in this realm, the natural realm, as well as we do the spiritual. Look, it seems that much science teaches us these things are not polar opposites. But in our philosophy of living, in our everyday lives, we tend to think this way. It's really because we have delusional minds. Our carnal thought processes insist on polarity. It keeps us polarized and frozen and not able to move forward in spiritual things. Just as I spoke of love and hate last week and determined that hate was a result of anger, which means you care, so we can see that darkness is an absence of light. It's not an opposing force at all. What is the opposite of light? Well, would it surprise you that there is none? There's not even one? Even in science, it's hard to find any definition of an opposite of light to be sure of. No scientist, no philosopher can really explain the opposite of light. But it is the absence of light, darkness, the absence of light. So even if our natural thinking, when we're going around about every day just thinking in natural ways, we want to think things always have the opposite, but they don't. I started this podcast talking about that, and I've continued all the way through it because these are polarizing thoughts that can slow us down, like I've said over and over, spiritually. Everything doesn't have an opposite, and I'm certain this is true, even more true, in a spiritual realm. Because we are speaking about things in these podcasts spiritually, so although I'm using natural ideas and concepts to try to explain it, I want you to be clear that I do not see them as opposing forces. They're just analogies for us to understand better about what they mean. One of my favorite verses is found in John chapter 1 verse 5. John speaks a lot on the subject. Here he says, and this is him talking about Jesus, he says, that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. It is a spiritual fact that darkness can never overcome the spiritual light, which is Christ. Before this verse, John says, life was in him, and that life was the light of men. So, we can now see that life and light are synonymous. So, what is death? Well, it's the absence of life. You're probably rethinking by now that there are no opposites in the world, that there is only presence and absence, the way I'm talking about it. But that's not true. There are many equally opposing forces in the natural realm. There are. The world of science is full of equally opposing forces. All you have to do is exert force on one item and exert force on another to create an inaction. I, I don't know if that made sense, so let me say it this way. If you are sitting in a chair and the, ch the chair is exerting force and you are sitting there exerting force against the chair. But like sometimes when I'm in Honduras and, you know, I do mission work there and, 
Many chairs are more fragile and made of plastic, and I often find myself exerting more than an equal force, and they break and collapse. And no, I'm not that fat, but I'm just saying, when you have equally opposing forces, they resist one another, but one can overcome another, and whichever force overcomes the other wins. So there, it's very common to find equal opposing forces and opposing forces in the natural. The world is full of the opposing forces, but darkness can't oppose light. It's not even a force. They are not opposites. The Bible says this in John 8:12. It says, "I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness." but will have the light of life. So, what is life when we speak of it in spiritual terms? It is the love of God as expressed through Christ. You know, light is required to see. Without light, there's no reflection of what, and what is left in your eyes is gray shading. Did you know the darker it gets, the more gray everything gets to your eyes? Until you cannot see it anymore. This is how our natural eyes perceive light. Jesus said in John 3.3, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It takes spiritual eyes to see spiritual light. Later in verse 19, he says, This then is the judgment. Listen closely. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. And then in verse 21 he says, But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Reading those verses, we can conclude here that those who are under judgment are those who loved the darkness, the absence of light, more than they loved the light, who is Jesus. And how do those who love the light find the light? Well, they find it by living by the truth. Now hang with me. Because <laughs> love is known by living the truth. What is truth? I mean, we get into this cycle of things we don't really grasp or take time to understand. Jesus said he had come to testify of the truth. That's in John 18, 37. He also stated that the Holy Spirit was coming to testify of him. What would the Holy Spirit say of Jesus? He would make us a light of the world. Notice what Jesus says in John 9, 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. <laughs> as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And in Matthew 5, 14, he said, You are the light of the world, a city situated on a hill that cannot be hid. Then we are instructed in verse 16 of Matthew 5, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give, what? Glory to your Father in heaven. You see, being the light is testifying of the Father. What do we say? Well, the message is clearly shared by Jesus and is the message of the Holy Spirit to change our lives, bringing about a regenerated heart in us. We call this being born again. Using the words of Jesus... That's our testimony. Look, our testimony is simple. It's found in John 3.16. You've probably heard the verse. For God loved the world in this way. 
He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. This is a testimony of the Father. He loves us. All of us. It's that simple. Yet, it takes God sacrificing His Son. It takes His Son Jesus sacrificing His life, coming as a human and dying as a human, and eternally existing in a glorified human body to prove His love. It takes God sending the Holy Spirit to touch our lives, our hearts, convict us of our blindness to open our eyes and see His love, His nature, His desire to be one with us eternally. Our response is often sluggish at best to become one with Him through the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of life and the love of God flowing through us. This is the work of God in us. His love pouring through us, through the Holy Spirit, who is witnessing of Jesus, who is witnessing of the Father. Jesus said in John 14, 20, In that day you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. What day? Well, in verse 19, right before that, he says, In a little while the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. Hmm. Look, we will live in Him. Even now in our present state of being attached to this natural realm. He says in verse 21 that the one who loves Him will be loved by the Father. And He says, I will also love Him and reveal myself to Him. Of course, well, Judas, not the bad Judas, but the other Judas, <laughs> said... How are you going to reveal yourself to us and not the world? And he answered in verse 20, My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's what God is doing with you. He comes, and the Son comes, and they live with you through the Holy Spirit. So how does Jesus make his home with us? Through the Holy Spirit. When we are born again, the Spirit enters our spirit, cleansing us and saving our soul from darkness and from our sinful nature. However, we remain in this body, in this brain, and in this natural, carnal mindset. And it wars against the Spirit. And it will do that until we are completely glorified in heaven. In Acts 1-4, Jesus says, This is what you heard of me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is what I was referring to earlier when I said that the Holy Spirit was a testimony of the Father through us, and it means each of us that are born again. Jesus had told His disciples in John 16-26, When the Counselor comes, the one... I will send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. That's what he said to his disciples. You see, Jesus testifies of the Father. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. And we testify of the Holy Spirit changing our lives, making us the light of the world. As the Holy Spirit shines truth in our lives, we become living examples 
of God's love. That's who we are. That's what we are, His children, reflecting Him in this world. So what about the darkness? Well, it's the absence of the truth of God's love. So we could say darkness is unbelief. Unbelief. Not believing in the witness of the Holy Spirit of God's love in this world. Unbelief. Not believing that Jesus can change a life through being born again. Unbelief. Not believing that God sent His Son to die for the sin of the world. Unbelief. Not believing that Jesus is the truth, the life, and the way. Not believing that through Him and Him alone we find our salvation. It could probably be said that every sinful behavior, every behavior of carnality, action of the flesh which is opposed to God, is darkness and exists because we don't believe that Jesus is who He said He is and did what He said He did. The scripture is clear. He took away the sin of the world as proclaimed by John the Baptist and He forgave all of our sins as proclaimed by the Apostle Paul. Darkness is the absence of light just as unbelief is the absence of truth. Let me leave you with this scripture, 1 John 1.6. If we say we have fellowship with Him, yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Jesus took the sin away from the world on the cross. But we must believe to make it work on our behalf. Still in us remains the nature of sin which tries to rule us and is the carnal nature we live with. It must always be subjected to the spiritual nature and the spiritual minded, mindedness that Christ gives us. Look, sin exists in this form through the nature of sin in us. And from the definition of sin, which means missing the mark, that mark is what took place on Calvary. It freed us from sin. But if we don't accept it, we have missed the mark and walk in darkness. The darkness that tells us that the sin hasn't been taken away. We will be speaking about sin in another podcast, but what I want you to realize now is that if you walk in unbelief, that means you walk not believing that Jesus died for your sins, you're walking in a lie, in a deception, and it means you've missed that mark, you've missed what happened on the cross, and it makes you a sinner because you missed the mark of the cross and you believe that sin rules over you, and you will die in eternal death because you do not believe in Christ, but you believe that you're in control of your own destiny. You don't believe that God has a plan for you. You may say it, but if you don't understand it through Jesus Christ, if you have not had your eyes opened by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ to see who God was manifest in the flesh through Him, 
He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you don't understand that, if you don't see it, then your sin is simple. It's unbelief. And unbelief is what your sin is, no matter what behavior. The one who has missed the mark of the cross and will die is the one that will die eternally and will end up in the lake of fire. Listen, I don't want you to end up in the lake of fire. I don't want you to die and go to hell. I don't want you to be judged because of your own unbelief and because of you not being able to see blinded by the darkness. I want you to believe that Jesus died for your sin. I want you to confess He is Lord of your life and reap the benefits of eternal life through the love of God. Listen, if you've been born again, confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that He saved you is not a one-time thing. It needs to happen every day. Confession and belief. Express God's love in your life. He's your only hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And remember, as always, faith works through love. More love, more faith in God to do the miraculous things He has promised in your life through His Word. Amen.